Thy nature, Jesus Christus. This is Father Ripperger of Superior to Society, the Most Sorrowful Mother and Spiritual Director of Libra Christo, inviting you to join the instructors Kyle and Dan, and now your host, Jesse Romero, at the Libra Christo War College, where you will receive instruction and briefing on Catholic spiritual warfare. Welcome to Libra Christo War College. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm here with my, my partner, Kyle Clement. Dan Schneider's not here. Dan is doing some uh, apostolic work. Uh, Kyle... Uh, thank you for coming down to California. You and uh, Father Ripperger turned the whole place upside down. Catholics up and down the coast are talking about the, the conference. Uh, I just want to thank you for uh, saying yes to Jesus, coming down and, and giving some high-level presentations. And uh, I'm excited about Wednesday's show, the War College, where we can enter into high-level spiritual warfare. Dan, welcome. I mean, Kyle, welcome to the show. Hey, Jess. Good to see you again. What a weekend. Wow. You know what? Uh, and And... and I can tell you one thing, you have an army of men out there, an army of gunslingers that got your back and Father Ripperger's back anywhere you guys go in California. <laughs> you guys got your own escort service. Well, we certainly appreciate it. I, uh, you know, a couple of things really came to mind. Um, please know all those men in the shield um, that you are in our daily prayers, Father Ripperger and I, the prayers of the order. But we had a really good discussion on the way to the airport that it's men. These are the kind of men that are going to save our faith, that are going to preserve our faith. These are Gideon's army. These, these are the men that are situationally aware, spiritually, temporally. Um, and and I, I really think that it's a, it's a topic for another show, but to really camp on the situational awareness and the, and the necessity to impart eternal vigilance, constant vigilance on the men of this of this church to protect both temporally and spiritually. And so um, it, it's that vigilance that is absolutely necessary. So formally to the men of the shield, Father and I, thank you. Boy, that means a whole lot to them, Kyle, because uh, again, they've been uh, they've been formed by listening to your teachings and uh, Father Ripperger's teachings. Let me mention something also. Just so you know, Terry Barber, my partner on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, he's started many apostolic works, and, and he's done, done a lot of good in the church. St. Joseph's Communications, he's the one that brought out uh, Fulton Sheen's uh, albums, put them on the cassette tapes, made a catalog, dispensed them throughout the entire world, kind of resurrected Fulton Sheen, gave all the recordings to Mother Angelica, they started playing them on their TV, Terry started Lighthouse Catholic Media. He sits on the board of Ignatius Press. Uh, he, uh, he started the Wichita Family Conference. Uh, he he's, has his hands in a lot of apostolic works, but he told me this. And again, he's been doing conferences for 42 years. A anybody in the Catholic Church with some type of notoriety, he's brought in. The biblical scholars, the great apologists, the great bishops and cardinals of the church, the great moral theologians. He's brought them all, and he knows them all. Uh, flies in people from Rome all the time. He told me, he goes, Jesse, in 42 years of bringing people into new conferences in California, he says, these two are the best I've ever seen. So I, I just want to tell you that I haven't seen anybody make an impression on Terry Barber like this because, again, he's heard everybody over and over again. And so kudos to you for the type of... Uh, of, of Catholic spiritual warfare that you're bringing to to you're bringing it down at a level that people could understand it's high level to mystic monastic but 
you and Father Ripperger are so understandable, so practical, and I thank you because for Terry Barber to say something like that, tr trust me, uh, he's been around a long time in this uh, in, in the field of conferences. Thank you very much, Jesse. We were so impressed with um, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, the staff, each and every member of the staff that we encountered. It was a top-shelf event. We've given conferences around the country, um, some of them even very large men's conferences, and uh, we were very, very impressed with what Virgin Most Powerful is doing. So please keep up the good work. Kyle, there's a lot of questions here from people that couldn't ask you. Uh, we didn't have the time, obviously. So I'm going to go through some of them. <clears throat> and, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I know you don't have them in front of you, but uh, you probably don't need them because your mind works like a computer when it comes to spiritual warfare. So uh, one of them was here. Uh, one of them just a uh, kudos. One of them said, the January 28th and 29th Spiritual Warfare Conference was so informative. My takeaway is I need, I need to learn to sacrifice more. That's from Leonor Solis. And so somebody learned a lesson because, again, a lot of people are always saying, I want to be healed, I want to be healed. The takeaway from this person was, I need to be, uh, I, need to, I need to learn sacrifice. Kyle, can you give me like a quick one-minute answer of the way there's other models in the church that focus on, on healing to the neglect of suffering, where, where the liberal crystal model is, no, suffering is part of the healing process. Can you juxtapose kind of maybe the, the Protestant Pentecostal health and wealth gospel, God wants everybody healthy, wealthy, and wise, versus the liberal crystal model? Yeah, simply two, two phrases. Number one is the Catholic Church has always been objective, not subjective. It's been objective around the deposit of the faith, that which has been revealed by our Lord Jesus Christ, magisterial teaching. It's always been grounded in the objective. The objective meaning reality, reality meaning God. And so that is we're either configured toward him or we're configured away from him. We're either ad orientum or we're ad hominem. So objectively, you can only be facing one direction or the other. If you accept that suffering is part of the wages of sin, suffering and death are entered the world through sin. They're part of the fight. They're part of the struggle. They're part of the mission. And accepting our uh, human condition is, is one of the first levels of accepting humanity. And then joining it to the Christ is the path, path to salvation. Because in that, we're conforming our will to God. All the other models that equate healing with the cessation of suffering, um, in fact, work, to, work against the sanctity to be found in suffering, the reparation value, these things. And so to escape that, means the focus is on themselves or on the creature, not on the creator. Sacrifice has always been the way men um, join themselves to deity. And so that can be a false deity. It can even be a self-deity. But sacrifice or what you do with your life is the measure of whom you serve. And you may serve yourself. That is the height of Luciferianism. You may serve the government, and if government is your idol, then then you've set up a false deity. But if you're going to folk, if you're going to serve the living God, the true God, the one true God, the God of three persons, then it is sacrifice is the coin of the realm, and suffering is part and parcel to sacrifice. Yep, we call that redemptive suffering in Catholicism. Kyle, here's another question. Uh, this is more kind of a logistical question. I just had the opportunity to hear Kyle and Father at the Spiritual Warfare Conference in Pomona. 
I'd like to be added to your mailing list. Amazing presentations, Javier Ortega. So tell us a little bit about, uh, are we resurrecting uh, Liber Cristo? Tell us a little bit about that. So Liber Cristo is, is coming back in a, in a different form, a battle-ready form, a leaner, uh, more agile, spiritually agile form. Um, you, you are always in a, uh, whenever you, and you know this, Jesse, whenever you uh, set out on an apostolate, um, you're always in an in a area of purgation. You're always in a, in a purifying mode um, to clarify your mission, to get more and more focused and so Libra Cristo is, is coming back very, very focused. Libra Cristo essentially is built around the four-phase protocol and the methodology that Father Ripperger teaches and that we've developed. <clears throat> and it is, again, grounded in the objective, not the subjective. Um, how do you tell the difference? Objectively is what are responses uh, to prayer, tractable, patternable responses how is the individual's prayer life? Where are they in a state of grace? Subjective sounds like I've got three uh, discerners or sensitives who are telling me they're getting something. And I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm just saying those models don't work. They, they just simply don't work. In the medical model, you don't go into Aunt Tilly and let her lay a uh, hand on you and say, oh, you've got pancreatic uh, problems or, or you've got uh, gallbladder I mean, this is much more empirical and objective. Our God is a God of order. He's a God of, of, uh, <clears throat> of rigidity. I love that word. He is a God of rigidity, meaning he's never, he's never changing. <clears throat> Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's a certain rigidity. Um, there's a certain intolerance. Our Lord, while he, uh, there's a certain intolerance, uh, and and I think that we need to get our head wrapped around it and get back to being Catholics and stop trying to be something else. Here's another one before the break. Uh, Father's coming out. The Ripper is coming out with a new book. Uh, what's it called, and when is it coming out? Uh, by Michael Cervantes. Yeah, Michael, it's a great question. So the answer, the title of the book is Dominion, and it deals with. Um, all things spiritual warfare, and it deals with them fairly definitively. We used to have a time in the church when we recognized the voice of authority. Um, we, we recognized that people through experience and, and the life they lead uh, had a certain gravitas to uh, what they were saying. And, and so that's what you've got in this book, Dominion. I'd like to point out that this is a very poignant title. Because rightly ordered man's relationship to the rest of creation is one of dominion. Disordered, it's one of domination. Mm. And so it's just that little slight shift, uh, the difference between dominion and domination. So that's the name of the book. It comes out from uh, Census Traditionis Press in uh, March next month. Um, it was set to be out this month, our last month, January. But because of uh, the conditions of the world, the, the declining condition of the world and availability of materials, it's not going to be out until next month. You're listening to War College. Jess Romero, Kyle Clement, Dan Schneider's not here today doing some apostolic work. War College every single Wednesday, high level of spiritual warfare. Stick around. You'll hear more. We'll be right back.
War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. I, Kyle, I'm so happy, uh, you know, when, when uh, I met you two years ago, about 2019, uh, I reconnected with Dan Schneider, and we started talking about uh, Liber Cristo and, 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 and promoting some a monastic, Catholic, uh, you know, 2,000-year tried and tested methodology of helping people, uh, again, just uh, reorient their life back to God and, and, uh, and to fight, fight off against the diabolical using Catholic monastic practices. Uh, that was music to my ears because, again, I've seen the other models and been and participated in the other models for many years as well. And so uh, all I can tell you is that uh, everybody here at Virgin More Powerful, myself included, we're, we're behind Liber Cristo uh, 110%. Anything we can do to make this happen, uh, you've got our, our full uh, confidence and our, and our support, especially myself. Uh, you can count, you can count to, with me as an ally. Here's another question from Lori Mountain. It's uh, Kyle, Father. Are Protestants really Christians? Sure, they are, and so um, they're defined by that actually. And so the word Protestant, and sometimes you'll hear me say that the word Protestant comes from Protestant. What are they protesting? They're protesting the Catholic Church, even how they're known, denomination, meaning a, a naming less than or a naming from. <clears throat> but everything, all Christians were Catholic um, up until um, the uh, deformation. I have a hard time calling it the Reformation. <laughs> but in, until the, the apostasy and the, the deformation of Martin Luther. And so, yeah, Protestants are Christians, but they're apostate Christians, meaning they're, they're se they've separated themselves uh, from the Church of Jesus Christ, the Catholic Church. Awesome. Uh, next question. How do I make things right with authority in my home when my husband will not accept and utilize the authority God has given him? I feel our family suffers from his, in, from this imbalance. Uh, thank you for your wisdom and inspiration. So the question once again, how do I make things right with authority in my home when my husband will not accept and, uh, and, uh, and utilize the authority God has given him? I feel like our family suffers from this imbalance. Again, I think a lot of the questions in the pile are are similar to this one. Okay, so let's uh, let's take this question um, and and see exactly um, how a Libra Cristo ear hears it, maybe. And so, number one is is this person looking for a weapon? Libra Cristo said, or Kyle said, or Father said, you've got to do this, this, and this. So I'm not going to give you a weapon. I'm going to give you a couple of observations. The first one is, the question is, did St. Monica's prayers make Augustine a saint? No, they made her a saint. Augustine's will is Augustine's will. So at the end of the day, your husband still has free will. And, he's, and so what you've got to pray for <clears throat> is that will to be freed up <clears throat> to choose the good. And so you are not going to be the arbiter or the, the uh, censor or the judge of whether he's doing what he's supposed to do, how he's supposed to do it. So number one is subject yourself to his authority and begin to ask him permission to do things. Mm -hmm. uh, remove yourself as the arbiter of um, if he's doing things to suit you, because after all, you're not going to be the judge of that. God is. And so the prayer light of Christ prayer is always good. 
Lord, let him see himself as you see him and let me see him as you see him. Because grace is going to flow into your marriage through his office. And so you've got to uh, very, very um, persuasively build him up. But that's done through subjecting yourself to his authority, asking his permission. Um, and, and he doesn't need you're not partners in this. And I know that may fly in the face of, of modern secular marriage prep and everything else. You're much more than partners. If he's going to sacrifice himself for the marriage, if he's going to give himself up constantly and every day for the marriage, he needs not only your support, but your encouragement, <clears throat> not your direction. Um, and those are two very, very different things. So, um, Father's going to, to have in dominion. There is a good section on power and authority that'll help you help you do that. But if what I'm saying is abrasive to your ear or if it brings up an animosity, gauge that, gauge it. In your question, you use the word, I feel that he's not leading the family or that, that he may be an impediment to grace. That's gonna be out of the emotion, which is a lower faculty. Give me objective criteria that says, He's, he's doing these things which impede the grace. And don't worry about the omissions. The omissions will be filled in when you're asking permission to do certain things. I will, uh, I will also tell uh, the person that asked that question, her name's uh, Lori Mountain. Uh, a book just came out last week from 10, and it's going <laughs> to... I'm, I'm just... Uh, they're sending it over to my house because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interview the author on Friday here. Tim, Tim Gordon and his wife, Stephanie Gordon, his wife, Stephanie, they homeschool their kids. Uh, uh, they're very faithful Catholics, young Catholics. Tim's a lawyer. He's also a Thomist philosopher. Uh, he's getting his, finishing up his PhD in Thomist thought. They wrote a book. It's called Ask Your Husband. And so uh, Stephanie Gordon has, has essentially <clears throat> gone back to the very traditional way of the way a wife should comport herself with her husband. The book is called Ask Your Husband. And it, it it says essentially everything that you just said. It just quotes the fathers, the doctors of the church, the councils, and the scriptures. So, uh, for Lori, you could also take a look at that book from Tan. It's called "Ask Your Husband" by Stephanie Gordon. The book came out last week. Here's another question, Kyle. I'd like to I'd like to get onto the Libra Cristo uh, mailing list uh, to receive announcements or uh, publications or anything. How do I do that? Question. Go to Liber, L-I-B-E-R, Christo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O dot org. And then um, there's a whole list of things, and, and I'll discuss them here in just a, a few minutes with Jesse. But there's a whole list of things that we've got going. Um, we've really got a full calendar, a lot of things happening. And so we encourage the building up of the Liber Christo community and just to return to right order. I love it. Another question. Uh, do you, do, this is from Alistair. Do you still run the Freedom Through Christ course or something similar? After visiting several monasteries here in the UK, one recommended, one recommended I should contact you for the help I need. They said uh, the Freedom Through Christ course was good, Catholic, and traditional. Uh, looking forward to your reply. So Freedom Through Christ is no longer part of Libra Cristo. Um, we rewrote that, Father and Dan and, and I and, and Jesse had some input on it. 
We rewrote that. It's called the Lever Cristo methodology. There were some elements in Freedom Through Christ that weren't entirely consistent with traditional Catholic theology. And so there was a, a de, um, departure from that. We're no longer using that material. Um, every weapon system can be improved. And so when we were looking at the phase two impediments to grace uh, vehicle to address that, we've decided to, to call that Liber Cristo, uh, the Liber Cristo methodology. It's called the field manual and it will be published by TAN probably sometime this fall. It's completed final edits uh, from uh, Father Ripperger and from Dan. <clears throat> and so we're looking at a fall, um, a, a fall publication uh, on that. So again, if you'd like to be part of the mailing list, just go to LibraCristo.org and register your name and, and tell us what you're interested in. Awesome. This is from Richard. Uh, no, this is from Karina French. Karina says, if a family member, if a family member likes sibling, is living a disordered life, that is, was married in the church, divorced, is now and is now remarried outside the church, and who is in need of prayers for a troubled married life, how much of our prayers for that person's family are actually heard and answered? The family member is praying as a Protestant now, but still has issues. How do you explain to them? And so... First of all, are they asking? Yeah. If, if that's going to be the big deal. If they're not asking and their heart is not open and disposed, um, then you're, you're going to go nowhere. If you don't agree with their behavior, that's one thing. If their behavior is causing them problems, that's yet another. We can work on that. We can work on that. But one of the things we have to understand very, very simply, we have to understand this. If you are a, a fully initiated Catholic, having received the sacrament of baptism, first communion and confirmation, if you're a fully initiated baptism and, are, and you're not in mass every Sunday and you're not going to confession, you are a prodigal. You are with the pigs and you're going to have to feel the prick of conscience. You're going to have to come to the realization, hey, I've sinned against God and against you and I, I've got to return and I've got to go right back in the same hole I came out of whatever that may be. And so until the, the Catholic who is apostate or who is away from the faith realizes that they're in the pig pen, there's going to be no movement. How do you make them realize or how do you facilitate them realizing they're in the pig pen? It's not you pointing out, <laughs> hey, you're in the pig pen. And the Nacho Libre approach doesn't take, you know, that doesn't work too well either. Let me talk to you about your salvation and stuff. That doesn't work too good either. And so what we found to be very, very effective is the light of Christ's prayer. It's a very simple prayer. It is, Lord, let them see themselves as you see them and let me see them as you see them. Now, there's a psychological element to this warfare. And here's the psychological element. Whenever you pray for them, you cannot worry. You cannot be concerned with their behavior. Mm. What you have to do is project into the cosmos an image of them when they were in right relationship with God. That may be baptism. It may be first communion. It may be confirmation. It may be marriage. But whenever they were in right relationship with God, that's the image of this person you project into the cosmos when you're praying for them to have that quick conscience to come to their senses in whatever pig pen they're in. Makes sense to me. Here's another question. 
Uh, Rosemary Cologne, what is the age of majority that you and father spoke about? And in regards to parents giving blessings on the forehead to non-married adult children, and uh, what about saying imprecatory of binding prayers over them? Is that allowed? Okay, so you got three questions up there, three balls in the air. Let's address each one of them. So um, the first one, remind me of the first one, Jesse. What is the age of majority? Okay, so the age of majority is 18 in the United States. And so what that means is, when do they have legal rights? This is a great discussion. When do they have legal autonomy? So it's a great discussion. And even the, what we see is even the civil law, even the criminal law, <clears throat> has in its basis this understanding of maturity, age of reason, and then the concept called bar mitzvah. So one of the things in bar mitzvah when a young man would come of age is it meant that he was no longer covered by his father's sacrifice. Key language. Got it. Hold, up th- hold that thought, Kyle. You're listening to the War College, Jesse Romero, Kyle Clement, Wednesday's shows here on VMPR. You'll hear more up next. Stick around. War College, we're back. <clears throat> Kyle, I've got, I've got to give you and Dan credit. You guys are the ones that came up with the name War College. I love it because this is, describes the time that we're in right now. Uh, lay people, clergy. Uh, why, did you call, why did you want to call it War College? I just want to hear from you. I know I talked to Dan about it. I think the name describes exactly what we're trying to do here with the lay people. It does. I, I think that number one is the realization that we are at war and both interiorly and exteriorly, we're, we've now got a clearly identifiable malicious entity within the church or malicious movement and group within the church affecting even some of our highest ranking prelates. And so what you have to realize is that it, the, the battle is for sanctity, not for satisfaction. Um, and so for all of you who have been praying for the purification of the church, this is what this looks like. Um, Anytime you pray for purification of an institution, then what happens is all of the, the nasty is exposed. Um, and so that's what we're seeing. When you pray for the preservation of our nation, when you pray for the purification of our nation, that's what you're seeing. Um, and so everything, all the, the good news is that it's the best source of uh, best possibility of, of gathering intel is when you're, the enemy is no longer operating covertly. They're operating overtly. You see exactly what's going on. So nothing's hidden. MacArthur had a wonderful, um, wonderful saying. Uh, there, he was in the South Pacific. He was completely surrounded by the Japanese. And they pointed out, you're completely surrounded. He said, that's excellent. We have them right where we want them. No matter where we shoot, we hit the enemy. <clears throat> <laughs> I love it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Rosemary Cologne, her second question is, in regards to parents giving blessings on the forehead, uh, to their adult children that are not that are not married, is that okay? And also saying imprecatory binding prayers over your non-married adult children, is that okay? So the blessing uh, inside the household, if it, it can be done by head of household, um, and so the, the especially the blessing on the head. Blessing on the head is a, it, touching on the head is an absolute demonstration of authority, and it, it doesn't matter what you intend, 
that is the spiritual implication of touching another human on the head, very simply. Um, and so, especially an adult. And so what it amounts to is it's, it's an imposition of authority. It's an imposition of hands. And it has a very, very authoritative structure. So uh, for women, no, you, you're not the vector of blessing. The man is. Uh, this is one of the issues that we run into a um, whole nother topic um, of the use of various oils and sacramentals is when a woman applies those as if, a, if she were a priest or a man, then this steps her outside of her lane of authority. So it's a very narrow application that a woman can bless, but not over adult children because um, you're talking about a formalized blessing. Imprecatory prayers over adult children, no, you don't have that uh, authority unless they're in your household and under the natural law. Um, so that's the easiest, shortest answer there. Deprecatory prayers would be safe, though, right? Uh, the, the, the mother doing deprecatory, asking God to bless him, right? Yeah, that's exactly what's not only warranted but prescribed here. Is uh, And don't, don't underestimate the power of a, a, of a deprecatory prayer by a meritorious person who's asking for something that's in conformity to God's will. But understand that neither your imprecatory or your deprecatory prayer are going to directly affect the will of the other person. St. Thomas is very, very clear. You cannot will the actions of another. And so this is why, in, a, in its purest sense, um, you, if the person that you're trying to bless is in psychological compatibility with the diabolical and the diabolical is there unopposed, then your prayer is not going to have any positive effect. Another question. Please let me know who, whom to contact and how to get in touch regarding gen, a genuine deliverance need. My pastor is wonderful, but unable to help. Okay, so it's always going to start with your pastor. And so you're going to ask him that question. Um, these things, you've heard Father say it multiple times. We deal with it every day. They're lawyers from hell. And so very simply, it's not about getting it to, quote, stop or making it go away. It's about your pastor being part of the response. If God's allowing it, then providentially within the economy of salvation, he knows who it's happening to, where it's happening. He knows all of those things. And so your parish priest is to have a role, maybe not a direct role, but at least, at least intercessory prayers on your, your behalf and the ability to direct you to uh, someone who can address this. This is part of the reason that we're trying to promote, and Father wants to promote the Libra Cristo uh, methodology and protocol throughout the country because it gives the diocese a way to, to methodically systematically and charitably respond to every soul who thinks they may be under the influence of the diabolical. Question from Myrna Stevenson. I was wondering when there will be another spiritual warfare training for the lady in Denver. I would like to attend, if possible. I am a member of a healing and deliverance team in San Luis Obispo County, California. Yes, she is, and she is a spiritual warrior known to us. So don't let don't let size and stature fool you. This lady <laughs> swings a big broadsword. Uh, so let's talk about what's available, and I think it's a great question. So when you go to LibraCristo.org, 
put in your question with specificity. I'll answer her question and what I'm about to say. Okay. So there is a Lenten retreat for laity. This is a reclamation theology retreat. I'll be your retreat master, and that's February 28th through March the 4th. So if you're interested in that for laity, it's a Lenten retreat. You'll notice that that is the week of Ash Wednesday. So it's going to be um, a reclamation theology is going to be the theme, very much about spiritual situational awareness and how to make the most out of this Lent. I think that it's most appropriate because there's a lot of reparation needs to be done, a lot of focus of prayer, and, and we need to be in battle array. So that's February 28th through March 4th. Uh, Lenten retreat. There's still a few places there, uh, spaces available in that retreat. We're having an online book study. This is the second half of Spiritual Combat by Dom Lorenzo Scapoli. These are Zoom sessions. You can sign up for them starting uh, March starts the second half. If you sign up for that, it gives you a chance to read, uh, watch the first half before that starts. So that Spiritual Combat Dom Lorenzo Scapoli, an online book study. It's in a Zoom format, meets twice a week. General practitioner training. This is what Myra is asking about. General practitioner team training. So in the medical model for Libra Cristo, the, the parish priest is termed a general practitioner. And so this gives him the, the training to interact with the specialist who is the exorcist, how to form a team in his parish, how to access diocesan uh, resources. But this general practitioner training is March 14th through the 18th. So if you want information on that, this is for priests and for teams engaged in spiritual warfare, whether you want to set up the ministry, whether you want to go deeper into it. Father Ripperger will address this gathering uh, by, uh, by Zoom. We'll have mental health professionals uh, and others. This will be a pretty in-depth formation week. Exorcist training, March 7th through 11th. Father Ripperger and myself will train. This is for priests only with a letter of, of uh, request from their bishop. March 7th through 11th. There are only two spots left for this. Um, it's, a, it's a small group, small cadre of priests. Um, and Father does that one personally. I'll be there. Um, and so this is to take the exorcist priest or the priest who is under consideration to be an exorcist by his bishop, to take them through a week of very, very practical training. So at the end of the week, they will be functional as an exorcist. Carl, is, this, is this on any website, the liberal Chris or Deloren or Deloren's.org? No. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to, it's a great question. Go to LibraCristo.org, request what you want information on, and it'll be sent to you. Perfect. So, Great, Jesse. And then the last thing that I want to, to mention is um, in this particular section, last thing I want to mention is the understanding that um, this information, it needs to get out there. It needs to get shared. Go online with our and get on Virgin Most Powerful Radio and get the recordings of this conference. Um, Father was in rare form at this conference. He was very straightforward, very candid. His economy of speech was better than I've ever seen it. Not that he's not great all the time, but this was literally like drinking out of a fire hose there. And you'll need to rewind it. Listen, rewind it. Listen, there's just a lot of stuff in this conference. And I was, again, we want to thank Virgin Most Powerful for having this hosting this conference. And we want to thank you guys, uh, Kyle. Hopefully we'll be working together for a long time until the Lord calls us home one at a time. Yep. Here's another question from Eric. Kionis. 
having heard stories from people who have consumed hallucinatory drugs, it seems that very many have similar experiences, very often reporting and encountering intelligent entities that give them advice. For example, machine elves. What sort of spiritual phenomenon may be going on in these encounters, and how might a physical substance like a drug or or a hallucinogenic plant cause a spiritual phenomenon if that is what is happening? Question, and it's one that's that's not very well understood. This genre, this whole area, is not really really well understood. But working with some very very good psychiatrist and uh, some psychologists, and then overlaying what we were seeing and what people were reporting, here's what we've come come up with essentially, and um, this is based on experience, and then. When you have someone who has this history, they become possessed and then is their liberation process. Um, so drawing on all of those, here's the summary. Is an hallucinogenic drug alters reality. Reality is God in our relationship with God. When you alter the cognitive ability or any of the faculties of the human person through a drug, then you are opening yourself to in a to you're opening yourself to us to the spiritual realm, but in a way that you have no protection whatsoever. If that drug is intrinsically evil, meaning it has no curative value, no medicinal value, then you're definitely opening yourself to the diabolical. Hold that thought. We'll be up. What's the more war calling? Yes, from Eric Kyle Clement. Stick around. War College, Jesse Romero, Kyle Clement. We just had an incredible spiritual warfare conference. God willing, we'll be having many of these, uh, you know, until the second coming of Christ. This is information. This is basic information that Catholics need in their lunchbox, in their toolbox, in their backpack. Uh, I mean, this is, uh, as Kyle and Father have said many times, that 85 to 90% of people self-deliver. Once they bring order back into their life, once they bring purity and cleanliness and, 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 a, and some type of a prayer protocol, a prayer life, most people self-deliver. And that's this, this is why this information is important to get out there because this is a, you know, this is a, a vaccination against sin, not against, uh, you know, uh, not against uh, these uh, ginned up viruses sent by China. So, Kyle, here's another question. Question is, uh, does it work to bless things that may be satanic symbols, or would you have to destroy it completely? So, it's a great question. Let's come back to it. I want to finish the hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic drug uh, answer that we were working on, if that's all right with you, Jesse. Yeah. Yep, jump on it. Yep. So, you're in an altered state of reality which opens you to the diabolical. If that altered state of reality is caused by a intrinsically evil substance, such as methamphetamine, it has no curative value. And, and so um, if it's by an intrinsically evil substance, then you're definitely open to the diabolical. Now, many people say, okay, well, how come they're appearing as uh, aliens or as uh, machine elves, if you will? 
So the person's own mental images are being used by the diabolical. He does not have a true form. He's an incorporeal creature. And so what he's doing is he's co-opting an image or an ideology or a thought or an obsessive thing that the person has already in their, as St. Thomas would say, their imagination. So he's, he's pulling a phantasm or an image out of their imagination, animating it in such a way that they recognize it or that it's something that's identifiable to them. They'll also do the same when they terrorize. And so when you're watching horror movies, when you're watching science fiction stuff, when you're doing this, you're building up the stock footage in your brain that the demon can use. Mm -hmm. And he's going to use it to tell you that's, that's the guys he's going to come in. So I wanted to get that um, out there and that because it, it really helps the understanding of um, the drug use and, and habitual drug use over a long period of time really develops the psychological compatibility with the demon who is adverse to God, God being reality. Um, so that that completes that. Uh, now, Jesse, if you don't mind, repeat that last question. I want you to throw that one sentence out there. That was that was mind blowing. You said something about like watching horror movies or something. Uh, you're you're building up the stock footage in your brain so that the demons could use it against you. Say that again. Did I say it right? That, that's exactly right. So when we're looking at desecrated images, desecrated body images, when we look at pornography, when we're looking at horror movies, when we're watching these things, you're building up the archive of stock images in your brain that the demon can use to terrorize you, to come to you. Um, and and he, he will use it in the most inopportune time. He'll, he'll take this image and, and show you this image. And so it gives him a real presence. He's an incorporeal creature. He has no real uh, form. And so he, he co-ops this form. This is why sacred art, the looking at sacred art, the understanding of sacred art is so very, very important. Mm. Um, and if you really want to cleanse your brain <clears throat> of pornography, then get Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ, isolate the scourging, and you just watch it until you're sick of looking at any flesh. This is what it takes to get this stuff scrubbed out of your brain. Wow. Wow. So, Cal, here's the question. Does it work to bless things that may be satanic symbols, or would you have to destroy it completely? So here's the thing with regard to objects there. Those objects which are intrinsically evil, which means uh, pentagrams, uh, images of Bahamut, other diabolical entities, um, the objects, the instruments of abortion. These objects are intrinsically evil. And that means that they only have one purpose for, and that they were manufactured for an evil purpose. Uh, a gun, on the other hand, is not an intrinsically evil object. It may start, it may uh, have a curse because of how it was used, but in and of itself, it's not intrinsically evil. So you can bless the gun, removing any evil, because the evil is secondary to the object. The object which was manufactured for an evil purpose, the evil is primary to the object, and that object has to be destroyed. Excellent. Got it. Very clear. Uh, are there animals in heaven? In other words, do any of our pets or the animals we meet end up in heaven? The short answer is no. All dogs don't go to heaven. No dogs go to heaven. <laughs> St. Thomas tells us that they have a soul, but they do not have an olam or, a, or an immortal soul. And so just very simply, just very simple theology. There is no distraction in heaven. 
everything is focused on God. How does your dog help you focus on God when you've got the real thing? Um, what's permissible to take to adoration? Um, really and truly, only yourself. Um, you've got that little slice of heaven on earth, which is the mass, which is adoration. You've got that little slice where the eternal meets the temporal. Um, you know, I, I'm amazed at the people who go to adoration to read. You go to adoration to adore our Lord. If you go to adoration to read, you're just taking advantage of the quiet, cool place. And so <laughs> you really got to clean this up. Um, and so the question really answers itself when you realize that in the genesis, in the revelation depiction of heaven and the holy sacrifice of the mass, the only animal mentioned is the lamb. And that's a figurative example of the Agnus Dei. It doesn't say there's a dog section. It doesn't say there's a horse section. Um, so that, there's your answer. Got it. Another question. Do angels take the form of a human for a long duration? And if so, do they actually eat? And so it's a good question. And so what the fathers say is that, no, they don't take it for a long period of time. It's, it's mission-specific. They work on both the form and the medium. Um, and again, angels are dependent upon what is our stock image in the brain. They're an incorporeal uh, being. So the classic example of the long-term uh, appearance of, a, of an angel, longest-term appearance of an angel, is Raphael to Tobit and Tobiah and all the characters in the book of Tobit. And so if you read that, you, you get some insight. St. Thomas says that angels appear uh, through the form of compressing the medium, acting on the medium, like compressed gas. Um, and, and when you see them, there's, a, there's kind of a surreal quality to them when, they, when they're allowed to do this. Um, and and there's, a, there's a bit of a, it's like looking through heat waves at a person. They're never really quite in focus. Um, but when you say compressed gas, that sounds like nonsense. I'll just ask you, what is a star? Hmm. Compressed gas. Right? That's correct. Hmm. Wow. I just learned something. Kyle, uh, last minute or two, talk about the, we just started 2022. What are the goals of Libra Crystal for 2022? Uh, your new book, along with Dr. Dan Schneider, the book you guys are coming out with with Dan. Uh, what's the goal for 2022 with Libra Crystal? That's a great, that is a great question. So number one is to act as 11 in this world, to encourage good men to be good men, uh, good women to be good women, to preserve our faith in the domestic church, to uh, steal ourselves to raise the next generation, which well may well have among it martyrs. Um, we need to realize where we are. Um, again, go to LibraCristo.org, ask for information on the Lenten retreat, the online book study, general practitioner training, exorcist training. Even if you want to just sponsor a, a priest for the exorcist training, Listen to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay connected to pure sources, sources you can trust. Get some distance uh, from the secular. Get some distance and get holy or die trying. I love it. That's it. That's uh, that's pretty much a wrap. <laughs> get holy or die trying. And, and uh, for a lot of people out there that weren't able to go to the conference, you can order the conference online, vmpr.org. I would... Uh, 
order the conference. I'd invite a bunch of family members, friends, uh, you know, tell them to bring notepads, paper, pencil, maybe do a rosary before, uh, you know, do, a, you know, do the Angelus before and then sit down and watch this and just have a discussion about it, ask questions, pause, you know, stop, rewind, forward, watch it two or three times. This information is the information that's going to help us in this third millennium with all this diabolical disorientation we see from our government, from uh, the medical establishment, and even sometimes within our own Catholic Church. Uh, all of us need uh, to be uh, grounded on the rock, the rock which is Christ, and that's exactly what Libra Chris was trying to do, Kyle Clement, Dr. Dan Schneider. Uh, they're trying to help us uh, really just appropriate the teachings of Father Chad Ripperger in a very practical way so that we can become as holy as possible or die trying. Kyle, thank you very much, my friend. God bless you, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Thank you, Jesse. I'd, I'd urge everyone out there, this show is being recorded on Candle Mass, the purification of the Blessed Mother, the presentation. Find a Mass. Absolutely. Yes, this is a, a very important day where, where our Lord Jesus Christ was presented in the temple. It's called the Candle Mass. So uh, try to get out there to Mass. Look at MassTimes.org. Look at your parish. Uh, look around the diocese. They have evening Masses, afternoon Masses at well. Thank you very much, uh, Kyle. We'll continue this next week. I got a whole box here of questions from people from the conference, and people are still emailing me. So uh, they, they love this. They just love this. Just black and white, question and answer, raw Catholicism. Tell it like it is. Don't pull no punches. Don't sugarcoat it. They love it. And uh, you, are, you and Dan are the, and are the perfect persons to do this. Well, thank you very much, Jesse. If we've got one moment, I want to make an observation. Yes, yes. And that is this. John Kennedy, uh, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, God rest his soul and may have mercy on him. He appeared in, in Berlin and he, he sought to draw uh, an affinity, a friendliness. And so he learned a little German phrase. Ich bin ein Berliner. I am a Berliner. And so this endeared the people to him. Well, I want to tell you, Jesse, I'm a Canadian trucker. <laughs> I love it. All right, Kyle, God bless you, my friend. I'm a Canadian trucker as well. Thanks be to God. Amen. We're 10-7. We're out. End of watch. <laughs>